We are thrilled to be partnered with the Maryland Jockey Club in support of the brand new Preakness Future Wager. The wager opened at noon on Friday, April 28th and runs until 6 p.m. Eastern on Derby Day, May 6th. Get your wagers in at expressbet.com or firstbet.com. Live racing at Belmont Park is back. The 40-day meet at Big Sandy is packed with over 54 stakes races. Opening Saturday at Belmont overlaps with Kentucky Derby Day and features three stake races, including the Grade 2 Ruffian, Grade 2 Fort Marcy, and the Elusive Quality. Watch Belmont Park opening weekends live on Fox Sports on America's Day at the races. Tune into FS2 Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. For TV showtimes through the Belmont season, visit Naira.com. Belt Belmont and the Kentucky Derby with Naira bets. Free $25 bet and $200 match deposit bonus. Promo code DERBY25. Belmont Showdown, free-to-play online Belmont contest. Win real prizes every day. Visit Naira.com slash showdown to play. Welcome to the Late Week in the Money Media podcast show. It is the Kentucky Derby simulcast show. Very excited to be joined by four special guests. Starting off with Marshall Sterling going over the Naira pick six. Then followed up by Drew Coatney with a Woodbine late pick four. Klaus Ebner comes in to talk all the Kentucky Derby Japanese contingent, as well as the ultimate get-out race. And we finish up with one of my faves, Frank Scatoni going over a late pick four at Santanita. Welcome, everyone, to the late week edition of the In The Money Media Players podcast. I'm not PTF. I am Spencer Luganville, guest hosting, as usual, on the Derby simulcast show. Pete's currently enjoying this nice Friday over at the Oaks at Kentucky Derby weekend. So for me, we're going to start off here talking about Naira. We're going to talk about the uh, pick six for Saturday. And if it's Naira, for me, I had to go grab one of my buddies who currently is not talking to anyone about the weather for Kentucky Derby. It is the meteorologist heard around the world on Twitter for horse racing. It's Marshall Sterling. Marshall, how are you? I'm, I'm well, Spencer. How are you, man? I'm good. Glad to have you aboard. Glad to uh, challenge this pick six, which for me and I know for you, it's quite quite a challenge here. Usually, you know. We're not trying to see so many hard cards because everyone's so focused on Derby, but man, this one was a bit of a skull buster for me. Yeah, it was definitely tough. Um, you know, there's a couple maiden races stuck in there, and um, and even the stakes races are um, are races where you could go uh, a number of ways. So it, it definitely was a, a difficult, uh, a very difficult sequence. Well, let's get started. We're going to start off with race number six from Belmont Park. It's an N1X allowance, one mile on the dirt. I could only go too deep in here. For for me, the number one film star, Kendra Carmouche in the Irons for Linda Rice, coming off of the claim last out for 75000 Just that 93 buyer just kind of sticks out against anything else in this field. I think with Linda, who also tends to improve horses off the claim, maybe this one with such a high buyer won't improve, but will stabilize and you know run that you know low to low 90 to high 80. That will be good enough to get it done here. I just think that this one is in really sharp form. Third off the layoff cycle as well. But I am going to add one more just in case that one does not enjoy the barn change. That's going to be the number six South Street for Bill Mott, Trevor McCarthy. I just like this one coming out of the maiden race into the Federico Tessio and then the allowance going from 72 to a 76 to an 87 on the buyers. Now we have a nice long layoff, but for uh, Mott, that's not a problem. 23% on a 64 race or starter sample. So for me, South Street can probably get it done if Film Star does not progress anymore. What about you, Marshall? 
Yeah, so my two questions about those two horses, uh, South Street coming off a year layoff and Brad Cox to Linda Rice. Um, I, I actually wanted to fade both of those horses based on actually both of those scenarios that I speak of. Um, I just think that Linda Rice isn't going to move this horse up off Brad Cox. And quite frankly, I think that this horse is probably going to regress off of that last effort. Um, and um, as far as South Street is concerned, that year layoff is a big deal. And the numbers are a little bit lower than the rest of the field. Um, so I don't necessarily see that there will be a progression, um, at least first off the layoff for, for Bill Mott. Um, so for me, I, I'm, I'm single to the number five, Barisi. Um, Mike Maker, um, off of uh, a, a little bit of a, a winter freshening um, from uh, December. Uh, I really think that this horse uh, has some of the back class that, that really um, shows that, you know, uh, against most of this field, uh, this horse has been facing a lot better overall. And, and I just think that, you know, you're going to see that you're going to see film star, you're going to see um, uh, Bezos go to the lead. And I just think that Barisi can sit off of Bezos and, uh, and film star off the lead. So for me, Breezy um, is all lone single. Interesting, interesting. Let's move on to the next race, race number seven. It's a maiden special weight, six and a half on the dirt, tough distance. For me, I am going to go four deep. I'm going to not, I'm going to try to beat uh, Subrogate coming second time out as a second time starter. Not the best stats for Joseph Duarte Jr., 8% on a 13 race sample side. Not the biggest sample, but enough for me to try to. Get a little interesting here with four horses. Uh, number two, Vespucci, Patty Reynolds, Dylan Davis. Just these workouts here for an 11% trainer with not the best ROI first time out. I just usually don't see these type of workouts out of the Patrick Reynolds barn. So this one might be a little bit special here at eight to one. Honor King at 10 to one for Jorge Abreu. Just the number that I see 47 and three is such an improvement, especially when it's coming out of the gate as well compared to the other four furlong works i think this one is really sitting on a big one disappearance number five ron falcon jr for kendrick carmouche this is another one that just has some interesting sneaky works go three back out of the gate 47 and one one of the better works i see throughout this race definitely not one that i want to have beat me at eight to one and i have to include the pletcher just to be on the off chance at four to one has some nice works good bullets something that i don't want to miss so for me it's going to be four two six and five I definitely agree that I think subrogate at two to one on the morning line is definitely beatable. Although it, it you know, something that we all always talk about is horses that have experience coming into these maiden races are, are, you know, a, a step above, especially in the two-year-olds, but also with three-year-olds here. Um, and, you know, realistically, um, this horse is turning back from that mile start. So Subrogate's going to have some, some good foundation to be able to, to get the distance without too much of, of an issue. Um, the biggest question for, for Subrogate is, you know, he's not going to, not going to get the lead. So, um, you know, it, on the turn back is probably going to be mid pack at best. So that's going to be a problem. So for me, um, I like the number four honor King, um, Jorge Abreu is 30%. Um, uh, winning percentage with a 324 ROI for first-time starters that are three-year-olds and older on dirt. Um, and it gets better when, when you look at sprint distances as well. But um, not only that, but the, the 47 um, and three-fifths um, 
work out last out that in four furlongs, um, you know, tells me that this horse is probably ready to go, you know, which is, you know, very similar to, to what we see. Um, and actually is quite a bit faster than the, the Pletcher um, uh, number six of Baden. Um, but uh, so for me, Honor King is definitely my top pick. Um, I, I agree with you, Spencer. Abaddon is a must use. And I, I will use Subrogate, um, although defensively, um, because of the foundation piece. So for me, I'm, I'm um, four, six, and three. Let's move on to the next race. Race number eight, stake race. It's going to go seven furlongs on the widener. It's the elusive quality. What do we like in this one, Marshall? Yeah, so this race was really tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, the morning line favorite Anaconda is a bus use. But I don't think it lays over the field so much so that the morning line of nine to five, um, it really is warranted. So for me, I actually, the number two surprise boss is my top pick. Um, you know, this horse, if you um, if you cross out that last race where, you know, bumped at the break and, and really was chasing the entire way, it was just, it, it was really a bad trip. You know, the, the, the uh, race before then, um, you know, the horse went to the lead and, and really just kept going. And I, I really hope that uh, Nick Juarez, who, who tends to be a pretty uh, aggressive jockey, will, will get this one out to the lead um, and, and never look back, honestly. Um, you know, looking at the turf course yesterday, um, yesterday being um, Wednesday or Thursday, sorry, um, you know, horses that were on or near the lead definitely had a big advantage um, with how wet the course has been. Um, you know, today being Friday, there, uh, there are still turf races that were taken off. So I really think that you need to be, um, really close to the lead in this case. So for me, um, uh, surprise boss is my top pick, but I am using Anaconda as well. I also need to use our, our good old friend Voodoo Zip, um, mm-hmm. whom I, I think has, has definitely faced a lot tougher coming second off of a winter freshening, um, should be ready to go here. And, and traditionally has done really well at Belmont. Um, and then also lastly, I, I definitely need to use the number seven Ocala dream. Um, you know, uh, uh, Tom Morley had gelded this horse and the, and the last race was on the dirt, which the horse really doesn't prefer dirt. And looking at the previous uh, turf races before then, the um, uh, the speed figures and, and actually the class that that Ocala Dream is facing are, are right in line with uh, with the the best in this field. Um, so if you draw a line through that last race, uh, you know, Ocala Dream really does fit well. You know, Tom Morley off the layoff is a bit of a question, but um, but I do think that this horse will get, um, will be in that kind of second flight and, and really get a good trip. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm two, one, three, and seven on this race. I agree with you about a lot of the horses you talked about in this race. I am going to try to just beat, Anaconda. I want to try and get some value here. Uh, Voodoo Zip for me. Christoph Clement, probably one of my favorite, pretty much my favorite of the turf trainers in the country. Like you had said, three for six at Belmont, getting those W's. Maybe is a little bit low on the class side uh, for in recent races. Obviously, we know how classy this horse can be. Ran the optional 80 last time out, looked fine doing it. Ran a solid third, first off the layoff. Heaven Street, I feel like I'm I'm talking like, you know, just like it was last race. These improvements in these workouts, this one at Churchill Downs, now we ship in for Brendan Walsh. But when we see horses improve two or three ticks on workouts, they're kicking the barn down. They're ready to go. And at 12 to 1, if anybody else can uh, have upset potential or at least, you know, 
obviously this is the pick six we're talking about, but if you can play this horse underneath an exactics, exotics like exactus and tries, please do it 12 to 1 because I feel like this one's going to crash the board quite well. Ocala Dream, Tom Morley, another one, four for seven at Belmont. Just one that if you take out the last race not being on the green stuff, 88 in the Mohawk, ran really well in the Kingston at the Belmont with a 98 back last year. Three that I definitely want to use, so I am going to go with seven, three, and six as my selections. Let's move on to race number nine from Belmont Park. It is the grade two Fort Marcy, one and one eight miles on the inner turf course now. Usually speed is our friend in this race. Marshall, what are we like in this one? Yeah, I mean, you got to start with Ottoman Fleet, right? Um, definitely the class of the field. Charlie Appleby has been absolutely unreal for anything in, in North America. Um, and and honestly, uh, all over the world, right? Uh, he's about the only one that's been beating the the, the um, Japanese trainers and especially Ahagi um, overseas. But, um, you know, for me, I think that this is more of a prep than anything else um, for more to come. Uh, Ottoman Fleet, um, definitely has great, um, great class on, on turf courses that are less than firm. And looking at his time form figures, his time form figures are are um, right in line with some of the better races that have been ran, not only by City Man but by King Cause as well. So, um, so for me, you know, he's a must use. But from from my point of view as well, and looking at his um, uh, replays, you know, he he Ottoman Fleet goes out the back um and and is uh, a come from behind closer and on a course that is going to have a lot of give that i think you just need to be close to um i'm i'm i can't single i do think that he's across the field undoubtedly but um for me the number two king cause is the uh is my top pick um you know kendrick carmouche is going to get this horse out of the gate right away Mike Maker going long on the turf. Um, you know, two back was in the Pegasus turf. Um, and it really ran a respectable race against, um, you know, some some much classier um, horses. You know, uh, you know, looking three back of the Fort Lauderdale, ran against City Man and um, really just had a terrible start and was not able to, to settle and be near the lead and had no chance after that. Um, and so for me, cause I, I think that there really isn't a ton of speed in here, maybe other than, you know, the, the seven keystone field, uh, the other mic maker, but I, I just think that that horse, um, you know, looking at, looking at those turf races, you know, back at Kentucky downs at Churchill downs, that horse was not, not nearly as fast, um, uh, as, uh, the horse that I like the number two King cause. So for me, uh, I need the two King cause the three. Ottoman Fleet and the Six City Man. I uh, got two of my picks in there for me. Ottoman Fleet, like you had said, out the back. But Charlie Appleby's been so good in these types of races, where we're going, you know, just long distances on the turf, especially at Belmont Park. I feel like he won so many over the last couple of years. One that I want to use, but for the same reason that you said, he's going so far out the back. How many times do we see these horses come and you know get in for second, just missing by a neck or a head? City Man for me is the other one. I know he's over five at Belmont, but. Nine for 27, 33% win rate, two for seven at the distance, four for seven in the exacta. This is one that just, you know, when you have horses that run in those, you know, Pegasus Invitationals and they don't run as well, this one didn't. Now he's going to get back to, you know, races. If you look back, you know, three back in the Mohawk. These are obviously state bred races, but even the Bernard Baruch ran fine at Saratoga. City Man's going to be the other one for me, just in case we can't get it done with Ottoman Fleet. Let's move on to 
second to last, right? The penultimate race of this pick six race. Number 10 from Belmont Park is the grade two ruffian one mile on the dirt. I was thinking about going too deep in this race, but I think I'm just going to end up singling the favorite in here and go a little bit of chalk eating weasel here. Kathleen O for me, just the last three races. So, so good. 93, 92, 93. If you go back, this is only going a mile. Maybe this one wants to go longer and not so much shorter, but listen, two for two at the distance just doesn't have the same high buyers as they did back then, but maybe this one's just improving on her own. Looking for Kathleen O to get me through in a single here in the second to last race. What about you, Marshall? Yeah. I mean, the distance really worries me about Kathleen O um, given that, you know, especially the last three races, you know, um, finishing second at, um, at a mile on the 16th and a mile on the eighth and, and really only seemed to really get going, um, uh, towards the end of the race. Um, and really has been off a step slow for the past few races and, and realistically has always broke pretty poorly. Um, and in a mile race where I think that there isn't really a ton of speed that really does worry me. Um, so for me, um, I, I, my top pick is the number four idiomatic, uh, this horse has ran on the dirt once and, and has been a, a synthetic horse since, but the, that one dirt race was pretty good um, in an alliance at Churchill Downs. Um, and those speed figures are right in line with the the um, race before and the race after on synthetic. So if that if this horse can run the you know, same speed figures that um, that it did on uh, um, uh, on synthetic, I think that this horse can easily um, uh, easily get the distance and, and go and just be gone. Um, so for me, um, I, you know, idiomatics, my top pick. Um, and, and I, I, I really want to fade Kathleen. O. it scares me, but I I'm probably going to, um, and so the other, the only other horse that I would want to use is the number one past champagne. I really think that there is absolutely zero speed in this race. And these are the two horses that are going to be able to take advantage of it the most. So for me, I'm four one. Let's move on to the last race. Let's try and get paid here in the pick six race. Number 11 for Belmont park, a state bread maiden special weight one mile on the widener. I am going three deep in here. We're going to start on the outside first though, with number 10 joint resolution. This is just one that finally getting on the turf. Second time out did try the first time, but it got rained off. Nice improving buyer from a 59 to a 72. Nice, solid price going off at 6-1 to one in that race. Now we get a little bit shorter here. Do have the outside post, but like I said, Christophe Clement does so well with these types. Right next to this one in gate 11, one headlight, Dylan Davis, Todd Pletcher. Nice race, first time out, 66, running second. If you get that normal second time out improvement, it's about 8-10 to 10 points. This one will be a little bit even better than joint resolution, and you're getting a little bit better of a price. And last but not least, left me behind number two, Kendra Carmouche, Barkley Tag. This is just one that, again, first time out on a surface, 66 buyer. Now we're going to get that second time surface improvement as well. I think that this one at 8-1 can't be left off the tickets. Marshall, how are we getting paid on your side of the ticket? Yeah, I definitely agree. The number two is actually very interesting, left me behind. Um, second time after being gelded and second time off off layoff, you know, Barkley Tag's numbers are, are much better second off. Um, and, and really did improve quite a bit while getting to the green stuff um, uh, at Gulfstream Park. Um, you know, given that the turf at Gulfstream Park is um, certainly more of a harder concrete, um, quote unquote, dirt course. Um, and I think that this horse's pedigree really suggests that, um, you know, a- actual 
um, green stuff will uh, will be a lot better. But for me, uh, the number twelve uh, thrill thrill of victory, the thrill of victory, uh, will be my top pick. Um, ultimately, this horse ran numbers that are very similar to the rest of this field as a two year old um, coming back uh, um, in, in the in. Uh, his first race as a three-year-old, uh, I really think that this horse has a lot of room for improvement. Um, and obviously, Mike Maker on the turf could be a heck of a lot worse. Um, and especially given the layoff, too, Mike Maker off the layoff is is really quite good in this in this situation as well. So, you know, for me, the thrill of victory is my top pick. And especially given the 12 to 1, I'd be happy with half that. I, I think this horse will take a little bit of money but given you know the horses like one headlight and joint resolution you know maybe maybe won't take nearly as much as as i think um as i think he will so for me uh thrill victory uh number 12 um i also need the number two um you know left me behind um and then um last but certainly not least i will use the number 10 uh more defensively than anything else but you know i, I do think that that last race was um was really quite good um, and that that um, aqueduct turf course in November um, really was pretty soft. So you know, even though it says it's firm, like there was still quite a bit of moisture in that in that course. Um, and I do think that it's going to be pretty similar to what um, um, what this Ridgeling will be running on today. Um, and I also think too that the the horse that beat him Ouster um, would be uh, you know uh, insanely short in this race. So. Um, so I definitely need uh, joint resolution as well. So I'm 12 to 10. And that's it for the pick six, but I would be regressed to not ask you. Obviously tomorrow is Kentucky Derby. If you have a play for the day or just want to give us the thoughts on the Derby, you can, you have the floor Marshall. Yeah. So, um, you know, just seeing breaking news right now that Skinner scratched. So now we're, we're, uh, we have a field of 19, um, which is really kind of interesting. Um, and, and at this rate, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we had um, one, if not two more kind of uh, uh, scratch before the race. But ultimately, I landed on an Angel Vampire. Um, you know, the, the AEs that have came came uh, into the race do have quite a bit of speed. Um, Angel of Vampire has shown that uh, likely to, to be towards the back of the pack, but is a grinder that has made middle moves in every race. And um, certainly his last race being uh, being on the lead coming around the turn is the exact, and I mean exact running style that you need for the Kentucky Derby. Um, and, and the distance should be of zero issue for this horse either. Um, and I, I think one of probably three that are, uh, that distance isn't going to be a problem. Um, so my, my top choice would be Angel Vampire. Second choice would be Tavit Rice whom I also think is bred to go to the distance um, definitely has a, a, the same a similar running style to uh, to angel of empire in really a horse that I would love to bet in the Belmont. Cause I, I, I just think that this horse will run all day. Um, isn't going to blow you away with speed, but will will tick those, um, you know, 24s off um, over and over and over again. So those two are, are definitely my top picks. Um, I definitely need to use Derma Sotogake. Um, I, I think that this horse is going to be towards the lead, if not on the lead. And uh, because of that, I, I just need this horse, um, um, you know, at some point is going to be on the lead. So that's one I definitely need to use. And also verifying, um, I think verifying is probably a cut below, but is going to sit 
um, either on the lead or, or just behind and will have the lead at some point. So it's definitely a horse they need to use. So for me, um, those are must use. I definitely want to include two fills. I don't know what to do with them. That synthetic race is an aberration, but uh, the running style for two fills is going to be very good. I just don't know about the distance. Um, and, and honestly, I'm kind of fading Forte. I think that looking at his speed figures, he doesn't have an appreciable um, uh, advantage to any of the other horses. Um, and so because of that and the price that Forte is honestly going to be now, um, given some of the scratches we've had, uh, I definitely think that Forte is going to be in that five to two range. And that's just too short for me in a 19 horse field. So, um, yeah, Angel of Empire, Tabatrice, Dermasotagake, uh, and uh, verifying for sure. Well, good luck in the Derby. Good luck in this Naira pick six as well. Marshall, can't thank you enough for coming on. I appreciate you. Hey, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it as always. And uh, your your Kentucky Derby and, and Oaks weather report is going to be uh, sunshine and uh, and roses. So it'll be it'll be a great weekend. And now I'd like to welcome in my next guest on this late edition of the In the Money Media Players podcast. Someone who, if I'm talking Woodbine, I have to talk to pretty much because for me, he is the master of this place whenever I'm doing these types of podcasts. It's Drew Coatney. Drew, how are you? I'm doing good, but I, you got to really give that to like Tommy Massis or one of those guys up there. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. I'm, I'm just a pretending uh, expat, more or less, stationed outside of Toronto. <laughs> Well, listen, for, for, for the past year that you've had, whether it's tournaments or anything else, I'm starting to see you climbing that mountaintop. But like I said, glad to have you on. We're talking the late pick four here at Woodbine, like we always do on this show. We're going to start with race number seven from Woodbine. It's an optional 32N1X, 101.16 miles on the synth. What are we liking this one, Drew? Yeah, I kind of see this a little bit straightforward, and I think this is going to be a common theme. The number four alley-oop John at 2-1 to one, has the recent form and a strong race over this uh, over the all-weather at Gulfstream and should get just a perfect stalking strip, uh, trip with uh, a few inside speeds drawn. And uh, Drexler is kind of an animal right now, firing mm-hmm. off at seven, seven starters, four wins in one second. So he, he knows how to get him ready to roll, and... Alley-oop John just looks fit here. I'm also going to take a little bit of a shot with the number five, Kitty Holiday at 20 to one. Has some recent form and the four-year-old getting the third start still has a little bit of upside left. And I think the pace setup is going to be perfect for this one. We're in a 95 time form figure with, for all intents and purposes, was somewhat of a slow pace. I'm seeing the early, early part of the, the race coated red. But overall, I think Kitty Holiday is a great one to get into the frame and maybe a little bit on top. So two horses for me, the four and the five to kick things off. I'm kind of with you there, too, with Aliu Johnny. For me, it's just the fact that sometimes when it does look too straightforward, there's always that one surprise. But we have that 94-3 back, has these two excellent races, stay in good form, and then a 47-1 and one bullet. Like we already said, Martin Drexler, four for seven so far to start up the meet. I do want to use one other one, though. Red line overdrive towards the inside. Mark Cassie also not too shabby at 24%. But when you look back at these couple of races, does have a 78, a couple back. And just on the off chance that maybe that 94 is just more of an aberration. He's going to run more like those mid-80s. If this one can improve at 8-1, to one, definitely one that I also want to have on my ticket. So four and the two for me here in race number seven. Let's move on to race number eight from Woodbine. 
One of my favorite types of races, these N2Ls. This one for $15,000. Seven furlongs on the sink. We got a tough, tough distance here. For me in this race, I thought the one, Nani Abyss for Randy Thompson. Just coming out of this last race at Woodbine, that maiden race, it was a 52. Not the best buyer in the world, but when you look at the buyer parts, pretty much anything in the high 50s wins here. Does come off a layoff. Does have some really solid works here for Randy Thompson as well. Uh, the number one for sure going to be on my ticket. And then I also thought the number five as well, Court and Courtney, just for me. A lot of times this one's been running as a favorite. It hasn't done too well, but at seven to two, we're getting a little bit of a price difference here. Does like to run in the money, five underneath finishes and 12 starts. But if you look back at the races two and three back, has those solid mid to high 50 buyers, has one of 58 back on the Woodbine Synthetic all the way back in August of last year. This is one that I'm also not going to let beat me either. So I am on the one and the five here in the second leg of the pick four. What about you, Drew? Yeah, I'm just cold single. I think you're going to get some value on it. And God bless Rob, uh, uh, Mr. Geller having to say uh, courting Courtney yeah. uh, a few times because I think this one's going to be rolling late here at seven to two and it's my top choice. Um, and I'll excuse that last race. I think it was time to get a little bit of a rest and comes in as the best of the closers and should be pressing fairly close to the race because it doesn't seem to be a ton of speed. So I, I think Courtney Courtney is going to be a good price. Anything above two to one feels good in this spot. One of the third leg of this late pick four race number nine from Woodbine optional 50,000 seven furlongs on the synthetic for me in this race. I kind of thought I was going to go. A little bit more on the outside of these horses. Mad Mocha, the number four for Stuart Simon. Just these last two races, 70s back-to-back. Does have a 75, even three back. So I know for this one, he's going to run in that type of distance or this type of buyer figure. And for me, not that I don't like Cool Kiss. I just don't see numbers that tell me that the price difference should be there between this one and Mad Mocha. So Mad Mocha for me. And then also Midway Mischief, another one that I just think when you look at the last four races, have all been in the 70s. And for me, if horses are going to run like that and be better prices, these are the horses that I want when I can kind of not guess what the buyer is, but when I just see that stability of what they're going to run. I don't really see anyone improving or jumping up in this type of leg or race. So for me, I'm going to go with the four Mad Mocha and Midway Mischief the number five as my two selections here. Drew, where are we going? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm completely different than you. Okay. And this is going to be a fascinating race to watch the tote board. Um, Cause the number two palace view at eight to one, I think it's going to get bet down to two to one. Um, the all one all weather runner overseas um, faced off against some really good horses now debuting at Gulfstream with far bridge um, and web slinger, who's going to be running in the American turf on Saturday at Churchill. So that could unlock some form for us here but i think it's just going to sit a perfect stalking trip and man the only knock is um you know will will this runner continue to step forward on the all weather and i, I trust where cassie spots this young three-year-old so plenty of upside left and I, I think could really get the best of them here and i'm also going to use the number three war strategy a little bit yeah the knock at the golf stream uh the five and a half furlong trying to close into it, but I just don't think five and a half furlongs is this horse's distance gets back to the right one. And I think again, has some tactical speed and should be able to get loose. So the number three war strategy for me at two to one. So I'm, I'm kind of locked in on those two, may even put a little exact of going with the two, three. I think if, if those prices hang out there, uh, we're going to be looking at a pretty good uh, probable payout on that exact pool. 
I'm going to go ahead and include that one. The, the, the first horse talked about Palace View, the number two, just in case that they don't go down to two to one. And this one stays five or six. I'm going to include that on the B line for me in this race. Let's go to the last race of this pick four. It's race number 10 from Woodbine, an optional 15,000 starter allowance, also for 7K, seven furlongs on the synth. Uh, listen, Stormy Soul here on the inside, been racing at this level, just one at this level last time out. And usually I like to see someone jump up in class once they win at a certain level. But just looking through the last couple of races, this one stayed in really good form the last two. For me, Stormy Soul is going to get a nice forward position, or just on the lead slash, you know, pace pressing trip here. For me, I'm going to try and get through with just Stormy Soul here in the finale. Drew, how are we getting paid? Yeah, and I, I I couldn't disagree with you more on this pick. I think this is a very vulnerable favorite in this spot with so much speed and going the full seven furlongs. And I'm going to kick things off number nine, Chairman Bob at 12 to one. Uh, I think we'll get that perfect pace to run into and second off the layoff for, again, a four-year-old with upside and was well-backed in the five and a half furlong comebacker and just couldn't fire. So today should be better suited. And then I'll use two more horses, the number six combative stalker type who will get the pace set up he needs. Run strong figures and the distance looks to fit nicely. And then the number four, Halley's Hero at 15 to one. I'm going to guess 15 to one isn't going to stand. I would imagine this runner gets bet down to 10, eight to one ish um, and has the speed. And we'll get the first jump on the heavy favorite. I think pressing the heavy favorite who will be on the lead. And I really don't like number two stormy soul. Cause you go back and look when this horse stretches out just over six furlongs, Speed and fade, speed and fade, speed and fade. And today is going to be no different with that pace pressure. Kind of reminds me, and I never thought I'd be saying this about an optional claimer race, but kind of reminds me a little bit of Jackie's Warrior, where dominant runner, but man, when when Jackie's Warrior was faced with any sort of pace pressure, mm. would wilt, and we saw that in the Breeders' Cup, uh, that elite power took over down a deep stretch. So I, I think Stormy Soul kind of fits that bill for me. Faces pace pressure is going to will. And there's there's plenty of that that this runner is going to have to deal with. So three horses for me, the nine, six, and four, trying to get paid with a little bit of a price to close things out. Always fun to talk to you, Drew. Uh, before I let you go, though, any quick thoughts on tomorrow's card? Obviously, Kentucky Derby. Any Derby ideas or even just a runner maybe on the undercard? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a... I, there's a couple vulnerable favorites I have here. Goodnight Owls prep was just downright bad. Um, and I, I just don't love backing a horse that's coming in uh, that might be questionable form. And, you know, three back in the ballerina had an easy trip. And so I'll, I'll be back in the number one hot and sultry at six to one who might just be able to get loose because did all the dirty work in the apple blossom against Clarier and Secret O. So that's race number four, pretty early in the day, but a little bit of a stand against. And I think Goodnight Alex is going to get bet down below four to five. Um, other than that, I'm just looking through some of my notes. Um, Carl Spackler is going to be fun to watch in the American turf. Mm -hmm. That's a wide open race. Um, Cody's wish coming back uh, again from the breeders cup at four to five. Um, it's going to be really hard to, to beat this one going seven for 11 um, and has had to run against the pace flow and just figure stand above the rest of that crowd. And then the Derby itself, I just think Derma Sotagake is going to be the man uh, on the day, I, I just the the grittiness of these Japanese horses, and I don't say this often. I love this runner. I don't really marry myself to one horse in the Derby, but number seventeen Dermis Sodagake, I think is going to be a solid back at anything over seven to one ish. 
because um, again, for the reasons I mentioned, will be in a good position early and has that stamina endurance to see out the trip. And how much fun would it be to see a uh, see a Japanese horse entered over at Preakness at Pimlico? I've I said this a couple of weeks ago, talking with Matthew DeSantis and just others. Uh, I'm 100% against Forte in this race. I, I think Tapit Trice for me is going to end up being the one I'm going to lean on the most, but I still have a bunch of handicapping to do to finish up for tomorrow. But just for me, Forte going backwards in, in buyers, I don't want to take a horse that's going to be such a short price there. And just in this field that I think, you know, for so much excitement we've had the last couple of years with, you know, a, a DQ, a big time winner last year. I really can see the horse that wins this derby paying 20 plus dollars. I think it's going to be awesome race. Awesome day. And what better way to see that the forecast is clearing as well. So enjoy the day and have fun. Always good to have you on Drew. Appreciate it. And now I'd like to welcome in my next guest for this late week edition of the in the money media players podcast. It's not a derby simulcast. I don't have my friend from Woodbine Klaus Ebner to talk about. Three Japanese Derby horses and the ultimate get-out race going on later that night on Saturday. Klaus, how are you? Hey, Spencer. How's it going? Doing very well. Glad to have you aboard the show as always. Uh, let's get right into it, man. Let's talk about some of these Japanese Derby runners. For someone who you know maybe is playing the Derby for the first time this year or just isn't that well-known of those runners, kind of give us your rundown on uh, all two now. I was always supposed to be two, but we have Mandarin Hero now scratching in uh, earlier today. Give us your kind of thoughts on the three Derby runners, though. Yeah, for sure. So let's get let's just talk about the one that's not going to run first, and that being Continuar. Mm-hmm. So you know, Continuar initially, I you know myself and uh, Michael Allison were we're both talking to Pete about Continuar kind of being maybe that kind of upsetter of of the you know uh, Derby horses that were going to be there for Japan. He just didn't have a great workout. Um, you know, and again, the, the the first workout that everyone saw of him on, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago at Churchill Downs wasn't great. Everyone kind of said, hey, this horse doesn't belong. And I kind of said, listen, let's hold off. Let's, let's kind of see what happens. And then the fact of, of you know, once uh, once they didn't train him this week with Dermot Sotogake again, that for me was telling and kind of saying, hey, it's, this doesn't seem right to me. Like they usually Japanese horses usually would have a blowout for the big races on the, usually the, the either the Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday before the actual race. And the fact we didn't see Continuar have any sort of training at all was a big worry for me. And sure enough, you know, last minute, uh, last night, trainer uh, Yohagi said, you know, he's not he's not where he needs to be in terms of running a, a race of this magnitude. So happy to see that. Again, you, don't, you never want to see a horse, you know, not be at their peak fitness for a race mm-hmm. like the Derby. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, uh, Again, they're they're citing the best interest of the horse and continue our won't run. You know, if if you look at Dermo Sodagake, he's obviously the buzz horse, if you want to call, or at least one of the buzz horses right now for the Derby. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, some with some of the defections and horses drawing in now, there's, there seems to be a lot more speed or pace in the race now. So those that said, well, it's a kind of a paceless race, and you know, Christophe Lemaire will send Dermo Sodagake to the lead and kind of walk the dog in the front end. I don't see that happening now. But, you know, with that being said, I, I don't think Dermot Sotogake is really a need-lead type of horse. He can be placed where he wants to be placed. You know, I think that uh, Christoph Lemaire will kind of send him out of the gates, get him in a good position. He has this, you know, he'll have the, I don't know, Spencer, whatever post he has now. Yeah, <laughs> he was right. supposed to have the 17 mm-hmm. now, but I know he's, uh, with the scratches, he's probably a lot lower now in terms of the post. So maybe he's in 14 or 15 or wherever he is now, um, actually. You know, so he'll have saddlecloth number 17, but rerunning out of 15 or whatever it is. So, 
Um, maybe he can break that curse of 17 by not having the 17 post. So there we go. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, I, I just think that Lamar will send him, you know, kind of put him in a four position. Um, he'll be probably sitting, you know, at least in my opinion, maybe anywhere from on the lead to, you know, fourth or fifth in the race, make his move for turning for home. If he's good enough, see if he can score the first derby for Japan. And again, out of the three, uh, you know, he, he'll get, again, uh, hard to say in terms of which one I think out, out of the three, would, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we'll continue our being gone. Um, you know, we're saying that, uh, that, uh, you know, Dermis Gunagaki probably has the best chance, but you know, again, there are others that feel that Mandarin Hero ran a, ran a bang up race. So the one thing I can say about Mandarin Hero in his favor versus the, versus Dermis Gunagaki is just the fact that, um, you know, Dermis Gunagaki and Continuar in his case, obviously he's scratched now, but Dermis Gunagaki had to ship from Japan to Saudi, to Dubai, to America. That's a lot of air miles on the card for a horse mm-hmm. uh, in, in a short span of time. Whereas with Mandarin Hero, he just did the whole Japan to California ship, and then for, you know obviously shipping just a short little John from California to Kentucky. So, you know, in terms of air miles and that sort of wear and tear, if you want to call it that, for travel miles, it's been going to be a lot less for Mandarin Hero. Uh, Mandarin Hero again had uh, one workout at Santina. It wasn't the quickest work, but again, it also didn't matter because he, he showed his you know promise by almost beating practical move in the San Diego Derby. So again, I, I just think that the, they both have a big shot. You'll have Derma near the front and you'll have Mandarin hero making that sort of late run. And I, I think they both have a pretty good, pretty good, pretty big chance on Saturday. I always think in, when you bring up air miles, stuff like that and travel for, for me, it's uh, for Derma Sotogake. If this one runs top three, obviously the air miles didn't, didn't bother him. If he runs like that mid pack eight to 10, then you start hearing like the, the you know oh it was the air miles he's he's better than that it's i think he's either going to run really good or really bad if he's in the middle there he's just i think that's what it's end up being he's just one of those middle pack forces that you know wasn't good enough to get it done but you know could still hopefully come back for preakness or one of the other derby races and then that way we can get to see more of this horse but before i let you go we do have one last race to talk about if people don't do well in the derby this year you have that last fantastic get out race over in japan uh, tell us more about that, Klaus. Sure. So this is also for three-year-olds. We're going a flat mile at Tokyo. This is the NHK Mile Cup. So this is a, a you know, so we had the Derby, which is a wide open race. And in my opinion, this is also a pretty wide open race in, in Japan. Uh, we're seeing a lot of horses kind of coming from different areas in terms of where they last prepped. Um, you know, there are some, you know, in my opinion, one standout right now that kind of appears to be the horse on the rise. And that's the form of Eon. This is a three-year-old colt by Silver State. Uh, won the New Zealand Trophy last time out at a at a flat mile in a very sharp time that day, beating a uh, filly in the form of Umbrail, who I sort of like in here. And that you know fillies do get the the weight break in this race, so you know Umbrail will be a bit of a longer price. So I, and I think that's the one I'll probably going to. But you know Eon again comes into this race off three straight wins. Uh, they were at Nakayama, not Tokyo. Uh, the horse has not won at Tokyo over two starts, so that's one thing to kind of. You know, keeping the back of your mind for Eon as one of the favorites, but you know he's he's one of the horses to watch. You also have the horse who was one of the top two-year-olds last year in the form of Dolce Moore. You know, he was the winner of the uh, Grade One Asahi High Futurity Stakes at the end of the year at Hanshin. Uh, came back though uh, in that same New Zealand Trophy won by Eon. It was a very disappointing seventh where he failed as the very heavy, almost you know uh, one and a half to one favorite there that day. So we'll see if Dolce Moore can can bounce back with his effort. And another horse who's kind of intriguing to me, but he's really making a short and quick turnaround is the, in the form of down on touchdown. 
Yuga Kawada, one of the top jocks in Japan, will be aboard again. He just had a horrible race last time out in the 2000 Guineas. And again, that was back on April the 16th. So not, a, you know, a very short turnaround time for that one. This one was second to Dolce Moore in the Asahi Futurity Stakes at a mile. And I think, you know, this is a distance that Denon Touchdown wants. So, you know, if that race in the 2000 Guineas didn't take out much from Denon Touchdown, I think that he has a bit a big chance in here. But again, I am concerned more about the, uh, the quick turnaround. And, you know, if there's a sort of, you know, wise guy horse if you want to call it that there's a horse called and it's, sorry Spencer this is a tongue twister for me but it's Obam Buramai who is a uh, colt by discreet cat uh, did very well at Tokyo last time out um, and, and we'll kind of see what happens with uh, with that one and I think that's more of a, a, a smart wise guy horse if you will for this race but you know for me I'm going to probably go with the Philly being on Braille uh, just barely lost to uh, the favorite Eon in that race last time out and uh, we'll see if you the tables on saturday always love hearing your wonderful breakdowns of the japanese races and just the japanese runners in general thank you so much klaus for coming on uh, good luck tomorrow whether the japanese races or the derby in itself thanks much for having me and now i'd like to welcome in my final guest for this late week edition of the in the money media players podcast someone who i have had on my own show redboard rewind someone who i love to chat horses with it's frank scatoni frank how are you I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Hanging in there. Uh, pretty much the end of my day when it comes to the podcasting. And then I just have to look forward to Oaks and Derby tomorrow. So uh, the wheels never stop turning over here for me. That's it. I know uh, they keep you busy over there. But that's a good thing. Like we said, you know, busy is better than, you know, the devil. Uh, idle hands and the devil, however the saying goes. So <laughs> yeah. keep, you of, keep you out of trouble, Spencer. Listen, we're trying to. We're trying to. But uh, <laughs> we're going to get started here with the late pick four from Santa Anita. We're going to start with race number eight. It's a 20,000 N3L, six and a half on the dirt, tough distance. What did you like in this one, Frank? Yeah, you know, I thought this would be a uh, pretty contentious pace. Several of the runners in here like to be on or near the lead. So I was trying to find someone to come from off and run them all down. And unfortunately, going through horse by horse, it was kind of slim pickings. It was like, choose the the, the, the lesser of all evils, because yes. I wasn't crazy about any of the off-the-pace horses. Uh, but I ended up on number one, Winter Falcon. Uh, let me just preface that by saying I'm not a huge fan of the rail at six and a half and seven out here in, in Southern California. You know, there's a gap. Sometimes horses break sideways. Uh, they break slowly. They're usually a little compromised. Uh, I don't mind it as much from a horse who's coming from off the pace. Uh, but, you know, you lose a couple of lengths at the start in any sprint race, you're, you're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm reluctantly taking number one because of what I mentioned on the, the, the post position situation. But what I like about this horse is that I think he can get the same trip as he got when he won a non-winners of one race up at Pleasanton on the dirt, breaking from the rail. Kind of just broke into the race, settled at the rail, and uh, just tracked the pace. And I expect the same thing to happen again. And just the fact alone that he can pass horses in a race where, you know, a lot of these horses are going to be hell-bent on making the lead, I think that makes him a major contender. And then the last thing I like about him is that long – uh, took the horse for 20,000 up north, mm -hmm. could have kept him up there and run him against easy competition, but decided to bring him down here, run him on dirt, run him for a bigger purse here at Santa Anita. So I was going to have Winter Falcon as my lone A in the race. And then I was going to have a couple of backup Bs. Uh, I was going to use number three, Sawaz D, 
Uh, I think the horse will be dueling for the lead, turning for home. I'm not sure the horse wants any part of six and a half furlongs, but I like the fact that new trainer Ellis, who just claimed the horse, legs up a seven-pound bug boy, maybe keep this guy a little honest late. But the sneaky horse in here uh, that I'll also be using is number four, Barsabas, at 12 to one. He has turf route speed. He's moving to the main track. So he should be able to sit off the pace today and then finish up nicely with that foundation from all those turf races there. He's also getting pretty big class relief. He was, you know, last time he was running in an open 25, which is way harder than this restricted level. Mm -hmm. And he also gets a seven pound weight break. So that's kind of how I was going to go to the race. But you know what? If any one of these other horses came and upset the apple cart, it wouldn't shock me. This is a pretty unreliable condition. Super tough race. And I've always liked these conditioned races because if you can find the winner usually you're better you're better off for i thought medico was a little bit interesting paula capastro i just think when i'm looking through this race and obviously in the restricted claimers you're looking for horses that can just show form time and time again this one's got two races back to back the buyer drop is a little bit concerning but i thought medico was a little bit interesting because he can show he can race from on it and off of it the other one that I wanted to use is also yours, Winter Falcon. I just, that one Pleasanton race just sticks out so well here. And at 4-1 to one with Pereira and Jonathan Wong, also everything that you had added, bringing the horse, the claim, and all of that. I think this one's kind of sneaky at 4-1. to one. And then uh, the number three you also talked about being your lone B. That will also be my lone B. And for pretty much everything that you had said, I'm going to go 7-1 and one as my A's. And my lone B will be the number three. Let's move on to race number nine from Santa Anita. It's an optional 80 and two X one on one miles on the turf course. What are we thinking in here, Frank? You know, I want to, I want to kind of get spready in here because I don't, mm -hmm. I don't really love anyone. You know, I do think number two, yes, this time is, is an obvious contender. Uh, he's the morning line favorite. I, I will use the horse as an A just missed last time when running at this level. I think he's a major threat right back, but you know, he hasn't won in a long time. And sometimes horses just kind of settle into a groove and they're perfectly content running second or third. Uh, you know, that being said, he is an old class horse. He's trained by Glatt, who's just had a terrific last couple of years. And I, you know, I think the horse is indeed a major contender. And I also think uh, Joe Bravo is going to have a pretty, pretty big day on Saturday with a lot of the, uh, uh, the top tier jocks being out of town. He picks up a lot of live mounts, I, I believe. Um, so that that's, you know, I'm going to use that horse as an A. I'm also going to use no, uh, another old class horse as an A, and that's number seven, Vansy. Uh, like, yes, this time, they're both running for the optional 80K tag. So they've already cleared this condition, uh, and their trainers are just putting them in a spot where they think they can win. And if they lose them, they lose them. You know, 80,000 bucks is not a not a bad payday when you when you're selling a horse in a claiming race. So, uh, but this is more of a trainer play because the form the form on this horse is is nothing special at all. Uh, I say trainer play because Dan Blacker came out of the uh, the, the gate guns blazing during this Hollywood meet. Uh, his horses, you know, he had some horses fire big. You know, a lot of times these trainers they're very, they cycle up. You know, they 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 have to kind of wait for the right conditions to come up with their horses, or if they had a successful previous meet, they kind of slow down because they've already met all their conditions. I think Dan Blacker was waiting for this meet. He's sent out a lot of live horses and I, I think that horse is going to run bigger. Uh, plus, you know, I use optics a lot. And one of the notes on this horse from the American last time was that it was probably just a prep race. Horse was never going to be good enough to win the American. He's not a graded stakes animal anymore. And he kind of looked like he was just around the track. 
uh, getting some exercise. So I think Vanzi could step forward today. So those will be my two A's. And then I'm going to get spready underneath in my B's in no particular order. Number one, Crosby Beach. Number four, Flashiest. And number nine, General Mathis. I'll use those three underneath uh, as B horses uh, in this race. But I, I thought this was tough. You know, I mean, I don't think I like the two. I like my two A's, but I don't think they have to win. <laughs> no, and that's the best part about a race like this when you try and get spready. I'm also going to use your your two as an A. But I thought General Mathis on towards the outside was, for Kristen Mulhall was a little bit interesting. Had that win last time out. I don't think the buyer increase was all that much. And yes, that win was you know, on the dirt, but I just wonder if maybe this one's just looking to take another step forward on the grass here. The allowance race two back was perfectly fine. Did have a little, was a little bit helped by the pace, but I wonder if General Mathis on the outside here can get a nice little ride from DeSormo. Well, I kind of like coming off the pace with these types. I thought Dean Martini is another one that I'm going to use um, coming through with these last two races, 89 and 87 on the buyers for Peter Ayrton. Now we get this long layoff, but listen, layoffs are usually... Not too bad here. 0 for 7 in Santanita is a little bit scary, but I, I like this guy on turf, especially 17% positive ROI. P Peter for me is always one that I'm looking to uh, play on the turf and pretty much everything you said about yes this time. I just wonder, you know, if you take out that race in the middle, turf paradise, who knows with those buyers, but the 93 and 91, this one's very dangerous in this spot. So I'm going to go 9, 8, and 2 here in race number 9. Let's move on to race number 10. It isn't starter allowance, 32,000. Tough distance of seven furlongs on the dirt. Frank, how are we going to get through this penultimate leg of the pick four? Yeah, again, you know, it's very similar to the last race. I have a couple of A's that I like, but I also have, you know, a few B's as backups because I don't trust anyone in here. You know, these lower quality fillies out here in California, you know, they, they tend to go in and out of form. They're very unreliable. You know, I will say this, like, when it comes to classy horses, there is nothing more impressive to me than a classy filly, you know, a filly who could kind of just stay in form and run her race every time. That's extremely rare. So mm -hmm. when you see a horse, when you see a horse like a, you know, a Zenyatta, uh, uh, Rachel Alexandra, horses like that, fillies who can stay, stay good for a period of time, that is super impressive to me. More often than not, you get a, you get a case like this where they're kind of in and out of form or they take turns beating up on each other. Um, so it's a little tricky, a little tricky. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm kind of master of the obvious here with my A's. My top pick is the morning line favorite, number seven, Taming the Tigress. She's going to get a great stalking trip. She'll race in the clear. Doesn't have to worry about taking any dirt. She's also been facing some quality state breads. So I think she'll appreciate this drop to a starter level. And then again, not so clever. My other A will be number five. She's a girly girl. She's as much better dirt form. So mm -hmm. just draw a line through her last race. It was a flop. She was sprinting on the turf. I don't care about that race. What I do care about, though, is that I like that pop. He could have he could have dropped her in for a tag if he thought something was wrong with her or wasn't up to the up to the par to run in a starter. Instead, he keeps her protected and moves her back to the back to the main track. So I think she's a girly girl is going to run a big race. And I do think five and seven are the really, really the ones to beat. And they're tough. But I'm going to spread a little bit on the bottom. I'll use number one, Ole Silver, number four, Harper's Gallup and number six, Charlotte Harbor as kind of the sneaky bee underneath. I'm actually going to go with Charlotte Harbor on top here. I, I think with this one, Vladimir Sarin, 0 for 9 so far, but has three seconds and a third. I just like the improvement here in the last two races, both at this level, but we see 
a nice little stretch out to a mile. Now we're turning back slightly. I just, I wonder if this one's just going to keep on improving here for Vladimir Sorin. And the other one I'm going to use is also, like you had said, she's a girly girl. I love seeing horses in the PPs or their last races, the quote unquote wrong surface or wrong distance. Cause everyone always likes to go off that last race. And if you look yep. at the race two and three back, those races are perfectly fine in this race. I am trying to uh, beat Taming the Tigress here. I just wonder with this one coming off the drop in these stakes races. Now we're down to 32. Yes, we're still protected, but just a, just a strange drop for me there. So for me, it's going to be the six and the five as A's. Let's move on to the last race of this pick four. We're going to go six furlongs on the turf course and N1X allowance. Frank, how are we getting paid in this race? Yeah, so I mentioned how I was kind of spready in, in um, the previous two legs. I, I think I'm just going to plant a flag in here. I thought number seven, Thornhouse, was the most likely winner in the whole sequence. Definitely the one to beat in here. Last time he got an absolute hatchet job ride down the hill, and he still almost won. Uh, you know, this horse has has tactical speed. Cedillo didn't get him out of the gate. Then he got him in all kinds of traffic. It was just a just a brutal, brutal trip. And like I said, the horse still almost won. I think he'll be super fit coming off that downhill race. Horses get really fit off that, um, you know, going down the hill. And then as a lightly raced four-year-old, I still think there's plenty of upside here. So that was going to be my single A in the race. I know no nothing clever at five to two on the morning line. If you want to use a couple of other horses, I thought number four, Unconquerable Keen, uh, had a shot for Phil D'Amato, um, you know, coming back in a sprint uh, after running in some route races there. Sometimes Phil D'Amato likes to reinvent horses if he doesn't get what he wants out of them. Uh, routing, you know, he'll try them sprinting. Uh, so that horse could wake up today off the layoff. And then I thought number eight, King Apollo, uh, ha has a shot right there with Thornhouse last time. And then the sneaky horse would be number nine, Forgiving Spirit. Talk about a horse for course. This horse absolutely loves the six furlong main turf course configuration at Santa Anita always runs well and was right there with Thornhouse and Kings Apollo last time uh, with a, with a little bit of a wide trip. And now, you know, the horse gets, uh, gets a weight break, which always helps uh, when they're, when they're, you know, <laughs> when they're getting leg weary mm -hmm. late, this guy gets to carry, uh, you know, seven less pounds. So if you wanted to spread more underneath, I would use those three, but I, I really do think Thornhouse is, is the winner here. It's it's very interesting. I am I don't have Thornhouse on my ticket. I have all of your wow. B's, all of my A's. So all right, well, you know what? That's uh, how you get paid. You <laughs> so, so, so let's talk about this real quick. I just think overall, when you look at this race as well, Thornhouse, yes, had just a hard trip last time out. But I just see like eighty five and eighty three. He does have that ninety back in the day. Like the, of course that being on dirt, I just see a lot of similar numbers here with a bunch of other horses. And why am I going to take five to two on a horse when I can get four to one? on a horse like Un Unconquerable Keen, or I can get King Apollo at five to one. Yes, they're, they're a little bit better in number. I just, for me at the end of the day, when I play pick fives and stuff, and I know a lot of people just want to cash tickets and I understand that if it comes down to, I should have gone four deep here. So be it. And I'll learn from it. But I kind of just want to see the favorite, take a ton of money, go down to eight to five, be a lot of people single and just, maybe be on the right side of it where I took a couple of extra horses and that will help me give a leg up. And I can also, you know, instead of getting that normal price out, maybe I'm three Xing or four Xing my price here in this race. You're, you're absolutely right. Spencer, if you have any, any reason to doubt a favorite, um, especially, and I agree with you, I think Thornhouse is going to go off at eight to five. 
no way this horse is five to two. So I think any any time you could beat, you poke holes in a favorite and you don't like it, uh, you go against the grain, you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid way more uh, by using uh, your your price horses and covering some other horses in, in, in the previous legs than, than singling this horse. It's just that I don't, I have a hard time seeing a world in which Thornhouse loses because I think he's going to get the perfect trip. Mm-hmm. I've always liked this horse. I think the horse has a ton of ability. Um, so I think with this favorite, you either single the favorite or you beat the favorite. It's very simple. Or you don't play the sequence if you yeah. can't really decide. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so in this case, I'm going to single the favorite. I'm going to get spready in a couple of legs before that. Maybe I catch some prices there. So it's okay that I have Thornhouse in the last leg. But you're, you know, you're doing the opposite approach. Um, you know, you're, you're going to beat the favorite. So that, that's what makes this game great, right? Differing opinions and whoever's right at the end of the day, they're the one who gets paid. <laughs> Always fun to talk with you, Frank. What, one last thing now that we're done with this pick four, obviously Kentucky Derby tomorrow. Any thoughts yes. on the big race or on the undercard? Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, PTF was very, very kind to ask me to write up a pick four <laughs> analysis for, for the races that ended in, uh, for the sequence that ends in the Derby. So I did that for the In the Money uh, media uh, website. So you guys can check it all out there. Uh, but I was very honored because, uh, as Pete knows, I haven't picked a Derby winner since Silver Charms. So <laughs> kind of asking the wrong guy to do that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I did think it was an interesting race this year. Uh it's been a crazy couple of days with all the scratches and all the rumors circulating around and a lot of, you know, uh, unfortunate business going on with certain trainers and all this stuff. Uh, but I still think it's going to be a really, really exciting race. Uh, I will just say this. I'm very happy that Mandarin hero got in the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, the, he's the other uh, one of three Japanese horses. Continue is going to scratch. Then you have uh, Dermos, I don't know how to pronounce the name, Sotogaki, I think mm-hmm. maybe, <laughs> um, who's going to take a lot of money from the Japanese contingent uh, after that sharp win in Maidan. But I think Mandarin Hero could be a sneaky upsetter in here. I was super impressed with his race in the Santa Anita Derby. I love that the connection sent him over here to prep for the Kentucky Derby in an American race. You get Kimura, who's a Japanese jockey, but who's been riding out at Santa Anita. So he understands American racing. Um, you know, I think with a, a little bit little bit more ground, I think Mandarin Hero would have won that race. Now, granted, I was against Practical Move in the Derby, who also was going to scratch, likely, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't think he wanted any part of, of 10 furlongs. So it's no surprise that Mandarin Hero was getting to Practical Move at the end there. But um I don't know. I just like the way this horse finished up. I like the way the connections are handling it. And, uh, you know, as you've seen, Spencer, in the last couple of years, the, the Japanese breeding program has been spectacular. They've been dominating international races. And, you know, five years ago, I would have laughed at the thought of a Japanese horse winning the Kentucky Derby. But you know what? I don't think we're that far away from it happening. So um, I'm going to give Mandarin Hero a big shot. I'll use that horse um, on all my tickets with with a couple of others. And unfortunately I'm not super clever. I think Forte is by far the most talented horse in the race. Um, I know a lot of people say he necessarily hasn't progressed as a two year old, but, uh, and I know that the, the speed figure came back real slow for the Florida Derby, but I was just visually impressed by that race. He did not have to win. I know he got a pace set up, but he was a million miles back. He took so much dirt in his face. He was stuck behind horses. He had traffic trouble. He had every chance to lay down and give it up. And he didn't. 
and he won, and he ended up winning easily in the end. If you turning for home, you didn't think he was going to hit the board. He ended up winning easily in the end. So I think Forte is the most talented horse in the race. I'll also use number 14, Angel of Empire, for Brad Cox. I think mm-hmm. he's the best uh, best of the Brad Cox horses. Never run a bad race on dirt. I think he keeps moving forward, uh, and I think the added ground won't be a problem. And then I'll take another horse out of the Florida Derby, number five, Tappet Trice, um, uh, for Pletcher. I think Pletcher's got – Pletcher's got a, he's got a loaded deck, comes to the table with a loaded deck here today with, uh, with a bunch of horses who are live. Can't agree with you more on tap, Trice. I am against Forte. Uh, for people listen to my show. I just think that ba- buyers going backwards and just, yeah. I'm not taking a horse like that in the Derby with 20 other horses. For me, it's just, if you want that horse at five to two, have at it. Just the, the craziness that's happened in the Derby lately as well. I just can't, can't in good faith, take that horse. I, I understand completely when you have, <laughs> you're going to have 18 other horses and uh, <clears throat> nobody knows it's a mile and a quarter. Nobody's run this far. So you just don't know. So why take a short price? I just think from a talent standpoint, I think he is the most talented horse in the race, but you know, that's why they run the race. That's why they run the race. <laughs> Thank you so much, Frank, for coming on. I'll have to have, try and get you on the show sometime sooner rather than later. Uh, Good luck in the Derby this week and good luck in your writing as well. Thank you so much, Spencer. Always great talking to you. And yeah, I'd love to do Redboard Rewind uh, coming up in the near future. So let's make it happen. I thank everyone who listened to this podcast and the rest of the podcast on the In The Money Media Network. Also want to thank my four wonderful special guests, Marshall Sterling, Drew Coatney, Klaus Abner, and Frank Scatoni for talking about all the different racing going across the board, not just about the races in Kentucky. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. In the Money Media's president is Peter Thomas Fornatel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In the Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl. May you win all your photos.